I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge the season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, fellow conspiracy realists. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you listen to this show for a long time, then you probably realize one sinister fact about human civilization. A lot of skeletons are not where they're supposed to be. Where are they supposed to be? <laughs> in the ground, mainly. <laughs> yeah. In, 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 in a lined box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Resting comfortably. Well, you know, you see those uh, legends about crystal skulls. Mm -hmm. You see these allegations of ancient, non-human, or extraterrestrial remains. In this episode, the three of us ask, what gives? What are the strangest cases of this? And is it possible to separate fact from fiction? Ooh. And uh, note, this episode came out in January of 2018. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel Baby Skeletons Brown. They call me Ben. We are with our super producer, Paul Deccant, and you are you that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. Let's get morbid from the jump. Why? I was trying to do that with my nickname. Why pre- preface? I like it. I like it. I think it's a good nickname. Yeah, Baby Skeletons. <clears throat> yep. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> It'll hit you sometimes. Um, we don't know what environment you find yourself in while you're listening to this, but if there are other people around, take a moment, look around, don't be super creepy, don't make crazy eye contact. Just look at, look at them, at the bodies around you and realize that all of them are, you know, essentially they're, they're like, uh, their flesh and their organs and their eyes and their muscles and expressions. It's all like painting over a house and that house is the skeleton. Everybody is essentially a body smuggling a skeleton around. When you yeah. put it like that, it's super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> skeleton smugglers. And then really the next time you talk or move your hand, just think about it. Really think about your jaw and your teeth and how it's connected up. I promise it won't get weird. You'll be fine. The hip bones connected to the, I don't know. Whichever bone. There we go. (laughs) All right. We are building a very strange skeleton. And that's good because that pertains to this episode, right? Mm -hmm. We've examined stories of strange cadavers and ancient artifacts in past episodes. And longtime listeners, you may recall the work we've done on uh, legends of giants, Mm -hmm. allegations of alien artifacts and lost civilizations, right? Multiple times. Oh, and don't forget the video series on uh, early man, Denisovans, Neanderthals, hobbits, uh, and so on. We've covered a lot of this stuff in the past, even uh, aliens. 
<laughs> no way, not us. A couple times. <laughs> well, today we are res- uh, not restoring. We're exploring bizarre skeletons, skulls, and other remains, uh, physical relics that, according to some people, prove there's much more to the historical record than what you find written in textbooks. And hold the phone. Turns out there are a lot of bizarre skeleton stories uh, to go around. So we're going to kind of do a bit of a grabby bag of sorts today, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely a grabby bag. A, uh, <laughs> a grisly grab bag. A grisly grabby bag. A grim Golgotha. Which Ooh. does, the etymologically, that word uh, originally meant place of bones. Or place of skulls. Yeah. Is that where goth comes from? No, that's probably the Visigoths. I'd be interested. I don't know enough about goth. Uh, we should we should find out. Or if you consider yourself a goth while you're listening to this, more power to you. Uh, let us know. It all goes back to Bauhaus and Bela Lugosi's dead. That's all I know. <laughs> That's very true. And uh, like Bela Lugosi, many artifacts also have some sort of story or legend <laughs> or even conspiracy theory attached to them. But today we ask how many of these are mere legends? How many are outright hoaxes? Are any of these stories true? It's possible. Let's dig in. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yes. Yes, dig, yes. So, so at, right. at institutions across, across the world, the entire globe, at dig sites, in museums and laboratories, experts are constantly sifting through human remains, architectural remains, in hopes of shedding some kind of light on our past, our species, humanity in general general and painting a, a, a better, sharper picture of our origin story, where we've been, where we come from. Mm-hmm. And there's a good news, bad news scenario here. Uh, let's do the good news first. Okay. Although, we should do a sound cue for good news, bad news or something like that. Yeah, let, let's try it out. We should uh, have good news as a really, really happy thing. And then, oh, no, let's do it opposite. Let's do the good news cue is really ominous. Like good news. Yeah, and then bad news is like, bad news. <laughs> we're going to workshop this. Yeah, okay. we're going to workshop. I like it, though. I like uh, the direction it's heading, but yeah. Well, I think we've given uh, Super Producer Paul some stuff to work with. So, uh, you know, take it away, Paul. Uh, this will be our good news cue. Good news. <laughs> I like it. What do you think? Good news? It feels good to me. Hey, uh, so here's the good news. It's that we are, as a species, continually discovering new information, testing, and revising theories, and we're also applying new techniques. That's uh, good news. That's really good news because we're we're moving forward, right? The bad news is the further back we go in time, the less stuff, the less evidence we have to actually work with. Not every skeleton becomes a fossil. That's that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Fossils are not rare, but much more rare than what usually happens to a, a human being or any animal that is biological that dies. And they're all biological, except for some of the stuff coming out of DARPA. Right, right, right. Uh, the silicon-based life forms. Yes, when your organic matter, you decay into nothingness, pretty much, into your basic chemical compounds. And this is why you'll hear scientists explaining their best guesses for some animal or hominid's appearance based on a few bone fragments, maybe a jaw, maybe some teeth, maybe a foot or a toe bone, and you're trying to put it all together and make a story from what you have. Did that ever get to you guys as kids when you would see like a new dinosaur is discovered? Ooh. Yeah. And they have the, uh, they have a tooth. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times it would be fragments from maybe the entire part of the dinosaur, but they're not put together in any kind of way. You are making your best educated guess on how these things are actually structured. Plus apparently dinosaurs all had feathers and that's not cool. That ruined Jurassic Park for me. Boy, did it ever. Plus feathered dinosaurs. I, I I don't know why uh, it it just delights me so it makes them so much more Doctor Seussian. You know, you say that, but you know my position on feathered creatures yeah. in general. So honestly, if I were attacked by a feathered dinosaur, I would probably be more terrified than if I were attacked by a lizard-like dinosaur. I'll mm. protect you. Thanks, buddy. I won't. I mean, I would be like, no. Oh. It's very good that we have had this conversation in advance, I just, though. I'm just saying I would be in your boat of like a running, runaway, giant feathered thing. Money Python style. Yeah. Just run away. <laughs> well, I've been 
trying to die for a long time now and uh, defending you guys from a feathered dinosaur seems like a pretty decent way to go. Might as well be a hero's death. They'll write songs about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will. I specifically There'll will. There'll be songs like, why did you do that? <laughs> Stupid things. So Ben Bolin went walking. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I'll do is find my loot and, you know, make some stuff for it. Oh, boy. Can we get a loot strike? Sorry, Polly. <laughs> <laughs> so just a background, uh, just a background. Every time you can tell we're big fans of, of Super Producer Paul, but every time we ask him for a sound cue, he's got a window through which he observes us. And you're, you're familiar when you've heard, you know, b- back when Noel was on the ones and twos there, uh, we look and we make eye contact and we try to interpret his body language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We do an okay job. Uh, <laughs> Hard to say. Paul's a tough nut to crack. Yes. He's a little hard to read. But we try to speculate because speculation is important. We don't want to downplay – when we're saying that um, scientists today are making their educated guess, we're not downplaying any speculation. And there's very – there's inherently going to be speculation, Mm -hmm. but – they're not just making things up. They're yes. not attempting to hoax people. And that's a big, big deal because in the past, hoaxes were everywhere. They were ubiquitous, you know? Yeah. The most well-known example of this, arguably, is the Piltdown Man from 1912. This uh, gentleman named Charles Dawson, who was an, an amateur archaeologist, uh, he claimed to have discovered what he called the missing link between humans, mm. homo sapiens, and apes. And, um, well, it's kind of a long story. But I guess we can get into it really fast. Uh, he, you know, he contacted some other people. They got involved and they were looking at this skull and the fragments from part of a jawbone and some teeth and some primitive tools that he had discovered. They looked into him and they decided, yes, this is the missing link. And then another group of people got involved. Right. And they did some further testing. Uh, as you know, technology is growing a little bit as, uh, cause this is 1949 now. We've gone from 1912 to 1949. They've got some better tools, some better, um, scientific testing that they can do. Right. They were using fluorine tests because in 1912, uh, Dawson and the Geological Society that he revealed his... Uh, uh, Discovery? No, can you throw me a whoosh whoosh? <laughs> work to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or discovery mm-hmm. indeed. Uh, they all agreed that this was uh, the... This was the Skull of someone who was alive 500,000 years ago. A long time. Half a million years ago. Uh, but the test in 49 proved that uh, not only was this much younger, 50,000 years old, uh, it was also – there's no way it could have been the missing link between humans and apes because at this point, humans had already developed into mm-hmm. this homo sapien form. And then – Exactly. And then the biggest thing that the testing discovered is that the jaw had actually, like the teeth that were inside the jaw had been whittled down with a tool to make it look more human because it was probably an ape, part of yeah. an ape. It was, it was a really bad hoax too. There was yeah. one, it came from, the skull and jaw fragments came from two different species, a human and an orangutan. Yeah. Orangutan. Uh, and, Unfortunately, with the institutionalized racism tied up in this stuff and the in the pseudoscience, like this is also the age of the the infamous Fiji mermaid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to sound even more morbid, but if you guys had uh, an opportunity to collect like fake taxidermy animals, you know, where somebody puts like a I don't know, like a tiger with a bear mm-hmm. or gives it a blind eagle wings. I mean don't don't endanger a species for it, but would you would you get one of those or would it creep you out? I couldn't have that in my house. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening what? <laughs> Alright, we're gonna taxidermy Noel, it's official. Oh taxidermy. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'd have some taxidermy. I mean I, oh you ever do a barbecue restaurant in the middle of nowhere and like you sit down and there's a taxidermy uh, squirrel on the table? No. Oh. That's but, a thing? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I was not aware of this. But yeah, I Ben, I would say if it was if it was creative enough mm-hmm. and I had a room in my house that was 
isolated away from anybody who, if I'm presenting at my house or having a party, they would never see it unless I like made sure they were going to see it. Yeah. Then yes, I'm okay with that. All right. All right. Well, if you are listening to this and happen to be a taxidermist, write in. Let us know, uh, what, <laughs> what the going rate is on these, uh, Fiji mermaid-esque. Yeah. Amalgamations, you know. So when people discovered these extraordinary skeletons throughout history in the days before the proliferation of modern scientific techniques, local communities would often have a legend, right? Yeah. We found this group of people, maybe they were abnormally sized, larger than we are, shorter than we are, uh, and they existed with this relationship to our god or our gods, you mm-hmm. know, and something happened and here's what happened and that's why they're dead and we're alive. Yeah. And and now, the you know, with those legends still there, uh, it becomes folklore uh, or, you know, legends. And then now with with these new scientific discoveries that we're talking about, the new techniques that we have, we have this toolbox, essentially, that we can test both those legends, if there's any remains or anything like that, uh, but anything new that's discovered as well. And uh, you can use X-ray scans, CT scans. You can carbon date things, DNA testing if there's any organic material left. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more um, possible that we can glean from the remains of an animal or a human or whatever. Yeah. And in the recent past, uh, think as recently as the last few centuries or so, which is the recent past in yes. this sort of field – uh, pseudoscience was widespread and was often just accepted as fact. And this led people to create fantastic stories and strange hoaxes or to, despite their best intentions, get things completely wrong when attempting to explain the origin or the provenance of a skeleton. And that can really muddle up the record, you know, mm-hmm. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because things last. Yeah. And they they stick around. Just like we hope you will, after a quick word from our sponsor. Ooh, well done. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
And we're back. This is somewhat of the "here's where it gets crazy" part、mm-hmm. of our show, but what we hope will will、uh, we'll do the best service to this、mm-hmm. will be to explore some of the examples. A、uh, as Noel said, grabby bag, and there are so. Many, many,、mm-hmm. many examples here,、uh, and so many purported explanations. And no matter how thoroughly proven one explanation might be, there are going to be other people who refuse to believe the story. And let's go through some of the top contenders, the most、uh, well-known veterans of this field, to see whether we can find some solid explanations. And warning, friends and neighbors, fellow bone. People enthusiasts, yeah, bone havers, <laughs> yes, fellow people also smuggling a skeleton right now. Yes, fellow、uh, keepers of the bones, fellow keepers of the bones. There we go.、Uh, we do want to, we do want to let the badger out of the bag here. We have some really solid explanations on some of the most well-known examples of this, and、uh, in many cases, they're not. What they were purported to be. Yeah, and in other cases, there are still questions. Even with all of the scientific tools we have, and they've been tested, there's still some weird stuff going on. So let's jump right into this. Noel, do you want to start us off? Sure do. First example we have of strange skeleton skulls and graves is the Star Child. Very close to my heart.、Um, you guys remember the National Enquirer? Oh yes. I'm thinking of the Weekly World News, but but there was a time where they were sort of neck and neck in terms of schlocky schlockiness. Am I right? Agreed. Weekly World News is a good one. But didn't、mm-hmm. the Enquirer sort of get a little more legit? It edged more towards celebrity stuff. In There you go.、Years. Okay, so legit <laughs> in quotation fingers for sure.、Yeah. But yeah, so the Enquirer,、um, the Star Child has the same sort. Of quality to it as Weekly World News or the early days of the Enquirer. It came to the、uh, into the public consciousness when a、uh, paranormalist named Lloyd Pye surfaced with、uh, a skull, claiming it was physical proof of a human-alien hybrid. And Pye said that he attained the skull、uh, from Ray and Melanie Young of El Paso, Texas. And that was in February of 1999. And the Youngs, according to Pi, believed the skull was found around 1930 in a tunnel, a mine tunnel, about a hundred miles southwest of Chihuahua, Mexico, and it was buried alongside the normal skeleton of a human female. What's that about? So, neurologist by the name of Stephen Novella、uh, of Yale University Medical School said that the cranium. Had qualities exhibited characteristics of a child who had died as a result of、uh, congenital hydrocephalus, and the、uh, de- the deformations were the result of accumulations of cerebrospinal fluid within the skull. Estimated the child to be about four point five to five years at time of death, which is just heartbreaking, you know. Yeah,、um, in the DNA testing that occurred in what was that, 1999,、mm-hmm. and then again in 2003, it confirmed pretty much beyond a shadow of a doubt that the skull belonged to a male, a completely human male.、Mm, but you'll still see this. You'll still see this skull or photographs of it shown as existence of a cover-up. But in this case in particular,、uh, as we said, there is extensive testing available. Yeah, and. Yeah, I would just say,、yeah. looking at the pictures online、mm-hmm. of the Star Child skull that I、uh, remember seeing in papers and in some of the the more not the UFO magazine. Well, actually, yeah, I do remember in、mm-hmm. UFO magazine seeing a picture of this.、Um, it does look a little strange if you just see the part because it's pretty much the top of the skull and、uh, the ocular area、right. and going down to kind of the top jaw but without really the jaw and no、there. jaw yeah no lower jaw yeah、um, and it does look a bit strange when you when you see it and there's there's this aspect of it as well one more mystery remains at least in my opinion、mm-hmm. regarding the star child and that's They, that's the DNA that test that they conducted upon、uh, the star child. They were able to conduct similar DNA tests on the normal 
uh, female skeleton that was found next to it. And that skeleton is not the star child's mother. Oh. So there's a strange story there and we'll probably never know. Wow. Sort of a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of scenario. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Quite possibly. And so we, we pretty much as a species, we, without knowing the individual story of what happened mm-hmm. to this poor unfortunate soul, we do know that it was human the yes. entire time this, this stuff happened and probably had a very hard and painful life. Yeah. And not a very long one. Uh, pretty sad story. But we can lighten it up a little bit. Uh, did you, you guys, I think we may have talked about this on air before, uh, see the most recent Indiana Jones film? Oh yeah. I couldn't get through it, man. I thought it was, uh, pretty atrocious. Oh. You yeah. liked it? I mean, look, like is, uh, maybe not how I would describe it. Mm. I went into it. I got some Indiana Jones back in my life for mm. a little bit. You know, I mean, I got all that. I got the whip. I got the gun. I got Harrison Ford. It's been five years, right? Five years plus? I can't believe that. That's not true. Is that true? Since the Crystal Skulls? Yeah. Yeah, I guess all I remember about it was there's a part where he survives a nuclear uh, attack by right. climbing into a refrigerator and gets blown halfway across this warehouse or whatever and just tumbles out like, uh, you know, hunky-dory or whatever. But someone reminded me that, like, Indiana Jones is sort of a superhuman uh, character. Yeah, because that's that's one of the parts of – the film that everybody remembers is the fridge scene. Yes. It's replaced jumping the shark. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it's the, hopping the fridge, nu- hop, hop. nuking the fridge. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That, that might be on, yeah. that might be on TV tropes or something. They remember that and they also remember the, uh, the, the, the ending. So yeah. are we in the spoiler territory? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. The, I, the only thing that really bothered me on a personal level about the film, um, despite the problematic, the multiple problematic issues with Indiana Jones overall, uh, the fact that ninjas show up with no precedence, no explanation, just like in this jungle. Mm-hmm. And they're just like crawling out. And before you ask, no, they're not ninja-esque people. They're ninjas, yeah. like Japanese ninjas. Is this the part where they're swinging on vines and stuff too? Like <laughs> Shia, so, yeah. Shia LaBeouf literally is swinging like Tarzan. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that part. <laughs> and at the – I think uh, there's monkeys. Yeah. Join him. I think, yeah. <laughs> just for a second. Yeah. Just like a dolphin, uh, seeing <laughs> exactly. a boat. They're oh. just really into swinging. How many sharks were in this movie? A lot, a lot of sharks. So, uh, so at the very end, the reason we bring, bring this up, it's, uh, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Kingdom. Skulls. Okay. Uh, one of the big MacGuffins in there is this skull, mm-hmm. this artifact, this unknown thing, and it is crystal, and it turns out that it is a um, – have we ruined the movie? No, we we already gave a spoiler alert. Though. Okay, and the yeah, movie yeah. is uh, we we said we more than five years, right? At this point, seven. I think, I think so. we said. I can IMDb. Oh eight. Wow. Great. Yeah, we're good. All right. We're good. Uh, Paul just told us. Uh, producer Paul just told us it came out in 08. So we are free and clear, and that means we can tell you that at the very end, uh, they find that this skull is one of like 12, and it was removed from the actual body, the crystalline body or skeleton of this ancient alien, one of 12. And when mm-hmm. you put it back on, it comes right back to life because that's how aliens work. Yep. And uh, this is, like most Indiana Jones stuff, it's based on a lot of the, what would you say, 1920s to 40s stuff. And this one takes place in the 50s, this film, but it it pulls from the Crystal Skull mythology. Which actually occurred in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. A Crystal Skull is a stone carving in the shape of a human skull. It could be like a few inches to life-size. Some are made of pure quartz crystal. Those are probably the most famous ones. Mm-hmm. Others might be some other type of stone. And they, some of them are genuine artifacts from Mesoamerican cultures. And they're called skull masks or death heads. But the skulls we're talking about in this instance are those to whom some spiritualists attribute extraordinary supernatural origins and or powers. You can look in this and see the future. You can get emanations. You can um, 
astrally project into the past. Much like a crystal ball. Very similar, yeah. And the most famous of these is the Mitchell Hedges Skull of Doom. Uh, the story goes that it was discovered by a 17-year-old Anna Mitchell Hedges in 1924-27 while she was with her father on an excavation in a Mayan city called Lubantan in Belize. And this, they were excavating mm-hmm. this because her father thought that he would find Atlantis. Yes, always looking for Atlantis. In retrospect, a fellow named uh, Joe Nickel proved beyond a reasonable doubt that what actually happened is Mitchell Hedges bought the skull at a Sotheby's sale in 1943 for 400 pounds. Nice. The, the British c- currency, not 400 pounds of like <laughs> of rice, human, yeah, rice or human fat or. Human know. fat. I don't know, man. I'm just, I mean, there were some soap makers that were just really in need. That's true. The story then becomes more or less sexy window dressing. The British Museum studied several crystal skulls in 1996 and determined that they were all probably made in Germany within the past 150 years. At least these famous ones that are about the size of a human, an actual human skull, are a little smaller. Uh, this. The recent origin explains how they were made with tools unavailable to ancient Mesoamerican peoples at the time, like modern polishing wheels and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Because the genuine ancient objects would show haphazard, very, very tiny pro- uh, scratches yeah. and abrasions. So they're beautiful works of art, but they're not earth-shattering evidence of any lost civilization other than our own. Again, not to be dark. <laughs> yeah, but they are they are examples of a really nice place for me where mystery kind of comes into reality, at least the actual genuine Aztec uh, artifacts. Just imagining someone that far back in time constructing this thing with with tools available to them. And imagine having that in that time, having like actually holding that crystal skull in a time when, you know, the most advanced technologies are fire and hand tools. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty, pretty awesome. Actually, that's not true. There's all kinds of other technologies that exist at the time, but just nothing very advanced. And having something like that in your hands would be so mystical. Mm-hmm. Did you, th- you know, I agree. Did you guys ever hear this? This has haunted me from schooling days. I heard back when I was a wee tyke that me- no Mesoamerican culture had invented the wheel when they were encountering other cultures. I find that a little hard to believe. Did you guys ever hear that? No, no, no. I'd mm-hmm. have to get into that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's – I'm trying to imagine building the structures they built without any kind of system like that. But I guess, you know, okay, possible. Because it, it feels incorrect to me and it's weird that when I was a kid, a teacher told me that. Yeah, teachers have told me a lot of things, especially in middle school, that I've come to find. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> what did they tell you about the Paracas skulls, Matt? Well, uh, I had one teacher that told me about them. Um, we're just going to call her Mrs. Bliss, Miss Bliss. Uh, <clears throat> Is that from like a Judy Bloom book or something? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's Saved by the Bell. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but they were Ooh. found. <laughs> Did you see Paul? Getting yeah, yeah, yeah Paul was back. getting ready. He was not going to let that slide. <laughs> um, so okay, the Paracas skulls were found in Peru. They uh, created all kinds of waves throughout the internets in the world in 2014. After this geneticist undertook the preliminary or like the first DNA testing on these, and uh, he reported some unknown results. And this was reported by a gentleman uh, who calls himself Brian Forrester, and that's uh, his name because <laughs> that's what his parents called him, or you know whoever named him. Uh-huh. Uh, and so he allegedly found these skulls had mitochondrial DNA with mutations unknown in any human, primate, or animal known so far. <clears throat> well, that that turned out not to be the case at all. Uh, the, the story about mystery DNA simply didn't hold up to some more cursory examination. Yeah, that's the thing. So a lot of people were skeptical when Forster introduced these claims because – he had a reputation in the scientific community 
as being somewhat unreliable yes. or um, a bit of a sensationalist. To be clear, neither Matt nor Noel or I uh, have spoken with uh, Forrester. No. Uh, we we should say that the skulls in question, these Paraka skulls, they, they're they elongated. Okay, so they do look strange. If you're looking at one of right. these, um, it, the top of the skull from essentially the eyes upward – Goes out into a cone. It's a cone head. It's a yeah. It's a conical shape. It's similar in some ways to the way you you see a gorilla's head. The simian shape mm-hmm. of it goes up at the back. But but even further and uh, more pointy. Yeah, I guess. cone-headed and leaning back. Do they yeah. come from France? <laughs> it is not no. the cone cone heads. Uh, but but maybe that's an homage. Maybe that's what Dan Aykroyd was really going for. I, you know, perhaps that is. You know, he's our type of person. He's he's a full time ufologist now, or <laughs> well, he's heavily interested. Yes, in it. yes. So yeah, okay. So they said that the DNA is screwy and not yeah. entirely human. Uh, the problem with this, and this is a totally understandable thing to believe, but the issue with that is the following. Uh, DNA has an expiration date. DNA is also organic matter. And mm-hmm. as Matt mentioned earlier, organic matter decays. So there can also – there can be decaying DNA, but there can also be cases where the DNA is somehow contaminated, mm-hmm. not on purpose – just sort of a things happen scenario, right? Mm-hmm. And now this means that we have to be able to separate between whether whether there's something alien, extraterrestrial, somewhere locked away in the genetic code, you know, and that's a show for a different day, or uh, whether there was something in the methodology yes. that poisoned it. And in this case, we have a pretty solid understanding of what was happening to create these skull shapes, right? Yeah, absolutely. The These elongated skulls uh, were probably, uh, let's say, absolutely most likely created by uh, binding, which is this, this ancient practice where civilizations would purposefully change the shape of their skull to several, you know, there are varying versions of this, but the most common one that you can find is this elongated skull by actually binding it as it's growing. Jeez, it's like a, it's like an extreme version of like foot binding in, uh, mm. in Asian cultures. Yeah. I, but in this case, it's, well, I guess kind of in the same as foot binding in a way that served a You're much more. You're hindering something that is growing in order to make it take a certain shape. Yes, right? yes. Like, the foot binding is for a largely sexual purpose. This is for like um, almost to show not royalty but like there, there's a social status that was associated a lot of times with this head binding. Right. We still don't know entirely why. This occurred. We yeah. know how yes. they did it. We have yeah. a good guess, but mm-hmm. uh, it is it is fair to point out a mystery remains because maybe you know what? Call us just a, a bunch of know nothings from 2017. But uh, if somebody proposed that we try something like that with with our own kids or something, that that'd yeah. be kind of weird. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. And who knows what effect it has on the brain as it's being developed and all that, especially mm. if you're doing it at such a young age as these, you know, as the skull itself is growing. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to mess with that. Mm-mm. And then we have a, uh, another example, the Atacama skeleton. This is, this is a really weird one. This is probably the one that gets to me, you know? Yeah, we, we had the gentleman on our show, Dr. Stephen Greer, who at least introduced me to this subject. Uh, with a documentary film that he made. Um, it's a fascinating story. And this is in particular where we get to the point where there are still some questions that I have that I want answered before I can make any kind of judgment call on what I believe this thing is. Uh, it's, it's really, it's really cool in my opinion. So, okay. I, I don't remember, uh, whether, whether he spoke about this one in our previous interview with him for unacknowledged. Oh, no, no. In the interview, he does not address, okay. at least not in, in length. Uh, but it was the previous documentary that he had made before the one that he came to talk to us about. 
Noel, can you give us the skinny on this skeleton? The skeleton skinny? <laughs> oh, man, because skeletons are skinny. I'm a dummy. That's great. Uh, okay, so in 2003, uh, in a deserted town in Chile, um, located in the Atacama Desert, a six-inch long uh, skeleton or portion of skeletal human remains was mm-hmm. found. And according to a local newspaper, Ben, I uh, believe they, they gave it a name. Isn't that right? Yeah, Ata. Ata. And Ata was found in northern Chile by a man by the name of Oscar Munoz, who later sold the remains to a uh, Spanish businessman by the name of Ramon Navia Osorio. That was a nice, that was a nice roll you of like your like Ramon? Yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah. Uh, so here is a little snippet from IFL Science, um, uh, a great uh, blog. And, you know, the IFL stands for I flipping love it. I flipping love science. Family show. They went into how the skeleton um, was part of a private collection until 09 and at that time was brought to a uh, symposium in Spain, uh, in Barcelona. And then in 2012, uh, a group of scientists had the chance to study this skeleton at length and they used x-rays, CAT scans and took genetic samples as well. Uh, and the results showed that the chest cavity of Atta – actually still had um, what appeared to be the remains of lungs and also a heart inside. Exactly, a heart and lungs inside this skeleton. Now, really fast, um, if we pull up a picture of this and we take a look at it, you can can get a better idea of kind of what they were working with. So we – Noel, you mentioned that it's a six-inch long skeleton Mm -hmm. and it looks like a fully formed – human skeleton, everything from the the foot bones all the way up to the top of the skull, including the arms and the hands, the ribs, everything. That's where my nickname came from, Noel Baby Skeleton Brown. Aha, there we are. Uh, Well, as we'll find out, perhaps it wasn't a baby. (laughs) But it was still a baby skeleton. It was, yes, a tiny skeleton. Yes. Got it. (laughs) So um, it was originally this skeleton, Otto, was thought to be ancient, but... This testing that they were doing at this time found that the remains were only a few decades old um, and they were entirely human. But there was some weird stuff that went on with this genetic testing because 10 percent, 9 to 10 percent of the DNA came back as not human. Uh, but there's an explanation for that. Um, uh, it's kind of weird, but because you think 10 percent. Nine to ten percent of this was not human. What in the heck could that be? But that just has to do with uh, with the DNA, as Ben said earlier. It degrades over time, and uh, also there's a certain percentage of error that you're going to get when you're doing DNA testing. Um, and there, I guess it also has to do with things that I don't understand. The entire genome, when it's being tested, mm-hmm. there are certain parts that sometimes will fall off. And they may test the segment. Yeah, it, it gets a little weird, and again, beyond my pay grade. Um, but the results of you know ninety one percent roughly being human are well within the expected parameters for contamination and degradation of DNA. And so entirely human fetus, but so tiny to be so formed in the way it is, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to most observers, Atta appears to be a fetus. People would say maybe died prematurely, maybe was born prematurely and died shortly thereafter. However, to Matt's point, uh, the same scientific analysis says that there were mature teeth present in the mouth and the bones were well-developed with the leg bones showing growth plates that you would expect to see in a child of the age between six to eight. And that's also from that IFL science article and it goes on, uh, while the testing did provide answers, it also raised many more questions. How could a six-year-old child only be six inches long? And at this point, we still do not know we don't just mean Matt, Noel, and Ben don't know. We mean no one No one is completely sure. Well, yeah, and it's hard to imagine. Can you imagine when you look at a picture of this thing? Imagine it walking around, and before it was this large, after six to eight years, it was smaller? In fact, let's take a break. Uh, go check this out if you're, as long as you're not driving or mm-hmm. something. Go check out a photo of, of this and tell us what you think after a word from our sponsors. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, 
the Apollo Jim murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, just a few more examples. I feel like we should laundry list some of these. Uh, I have one thing in the notes titled, In Those Days There Were Giants, because that's such a dramatic phrase. Mm -hmm. You used that line in uh, one of the radio plays we did. Yeah, 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 yeah. The creepy creepy demon monologue uh, revealing his diabolical plot. Yeah, there were giants in those days. That's a good one, yeah. Okay, yes, I am in love with that phrase. Uh, And it's, it's quite dramatic, but we say it, because it's a cool phrase. We also say it because we want to recap our the thing about ancient giants, right? Mm-hmm. The cover-up, which you have heard mentioned on our show before. The idea is that throughout human history, from the ancient days to well within the past 150 years, civilizations around the world have been discovering the skulls and skeletons of giants. We're talking people who are 9, 12 feet tall, mm-hmm. you know, well outside the bounds of what would be expected. People who believe this story point to photographs that appeared in various newspapers of note around the time or were claimed to appear in those newspapers, and proponents of this stuff also believe the world's museums are part of a cabal that is purposely buying up these remains and suppressing them or storing them or destroying them. Yeah, and critics point out that a lot of the alleged photographs that you would find in these newspapers and ones that you'll find now online – are doctored in some way or photoshopped. And I can verify that several of the images that I have found on my personal Facebook feed because of people and, you know, uh, pages that I follow are most certainly the works of image manipulation. You can see that there's been resizing and uh, compositing of different images in a lot of these. You can see the edges where it's been cut out. You can see Mm -hmm. where there should be shadows, but there aren't or the shadows don't match up. Um, yeah, it's an unfortunate truth, but it's the truth. Right. And it's also tough to imagine that if the world is littered with giant skeletons, some organization could keep it completely secret from everyone. Literally, that's 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 a big secret. That's literally dozens of big secrets. Benjamin. The giant secrets. 
I had us all down on that one. Uh, there was also, you may have heard of a three-fingered mummy. This was men- I had not heard of this. This was mentioned uh, through an outfit called Gaia TV, and they presented it in sort of a History Channel ancient aliens way. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not saying it was aliens. This is definitely an alien. But I'm not saying it's an alien, but it's definitely an alien. Check out this alien, y'all. <laughs> but it's not it's an alien. alien, right? But I'm just saying it might be an alien. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is most likely another hoax because apparently uh, Gaia has been accused of hoaxing or misrepresenting things in the past. However, uh, we are not. We haven't spoken with the people at Gaia, and I'm I'm not very familiar with their work. These are just criticisms I've read, and it may be possible that those criticisms are subjective or not true. I just, I just want to be fair. I don't, I don't want to hate on Gaia too much, but I've definitely seen some things that they've published that are bogus. You've seen some things, yeah. Okay. Uh, the last one maybe is the uh, well, one of the last ones is the Kishtam dwarf. A small human fetus known as Alyoshenka was found by an elderly woman uh, in Russia. It had an unusual appearance and it gave rise to rumors of an extraterrestrial or- origin. Local populations supported the rumors and they would charge reporters for interviews. At least two Japanese companies made documentaries about it. In April of 2004, scientists who studied this these remains said it was a premature female human infant with severe deformities. Uh, other eyewitnesses said, no, deformities can't explain this. There are too many, especially deformities in the skull. Uh, they said it wasn't a hoax. It was a genuine mummified body that was once living tissue, but – the argument was, you know, some people just didn't want to walk away from the idea that this was extraterrestrial and was a cover-up. But right now, the best guess for this, and there's not a whole bunch mm-hmm. uh stuff written about this discovery in English, but the best guess is that it may be attributed to something called the 1957 Kishtam disaster, which I had never heard of. And I feel ashamed for not knowing about this. Shame. For shame, Ben Bo. But, you know, for shame on all of us, we, we had to look it up. And as it turns out, there was a radioactive contamination incident that occurred on the 29th of September in 1957 at Mayak, which is a plutonium production site in Russia for nuclear weapons and also uh, nuclear fuel reprocessing for the Soviet Union. And it measured as a level six disaster on the international nuclear event scale or Inez. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to choose to say it. Uh, and it made it the third most serious nuclear accident ever recorded behind the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster and the Chernobyl disaster. I just want to take a tiny little sidebar. Um, Paul, super producer Paul and myself and the uh, super producer Alex and super producer Tristan all went and saw uh, this movie Stalker, this Tarkovsky film, and it was all shot in and around these Russian nuclear sites, and it is some bleak, bleak stuff. It's a, a really excellent film, quite uh, uh, cerebral and um, plotting and very droney, but very much worth your time. I would check it out, if only for just the visuals of, like, these sites. And as it turns out, it's the filmmaker and a couple of the members of the crew died from uh, radiation, radiation poison. later in life, circumstances pretty well associated with them Splashing around in these, uh, these super fun site, like was, ponds. Was this recent? Was it still in the theaters? 79. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, they, it came out in 79. It came okay. out, so it was probably made in like, you know, 75. Actually, it was made three times. Uh, that's a whole other story, but yeah, anyway, just made I was me think a, of that. I was actually a fan of, there's a video game series called Stalker. There were a couple of them. One of them is called, uh, Stalker Shadows of Chernobyl, and it, Feels very different or very similar to that, but I wonder if it's actually a completely different. Well, thing. the character, the stalker in the film, is like his whole deal is he guides people through these sites oh, that wow. in the film have a supernatural connotation. But anyway, sidebar: I just really, really enjoyed the film, and it made me think of some of the, the scenes. And it's good for people to see. Well, maybe not good, but it's important for people to see. The level of destruction and the level of lasting effect these sorts of technologies can have upon the world. Especially on children who are being born. Right. And not to mention animals, right, or or plant life. And we know that this stuff lasts and as much as we would like to pretend that we exist in our own islands 
everything is eventually connected. You know what I mean? Yeah. A disaster in one place, if it's big enough, is a disaster everywhere. There was one more thing I found that was interesting. It's a bit of a, uh, bit of a crime story. And this is the last one I have. I started looking at mass graves of ordinary skeletons who met extraordinary ends. I found one in a state in India, Uttarakhand, uh, at an altitude of about 16,000 feet in the Himalayas. Mm. Someone found as many as 600 skeletons buried in a place called Rupkund Lake or Skeleton Lake. They date from either the 9th century to the 15th century, and the local community had a legend about this. They said the remains include those of King Jazdawal because he was disobedient during a pilgrimage and with his wife, uh, the queen, and his royal entourage, and this angered the Hindu goddess Mata. So to gain revenge, she and a local deity named Latu created thunderstorms and avalanches, raining gigantic stones on the king and his army. And it turns out the legend might contain a grain of truth because the scientists say it's possible that the skeleton's cracked skulls were all struck by stones, uh, hailstones, and that they died in a blizzard or other natural catastrophe. Wow. Not the best way to go. Yeah, not the best way to go at all and maybe not a legend at all. But we see how the legend gets built off of Mm -hmm. that. You know, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to know that most legends start from a grain of truth, right? Yes. So – it's That's, the pearl inside the clam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's very – are you secretly auditioning for a Disney movie or oh, a Pixar was, character? That's what that was? <laughs> I, I, I can see you. Yeah, I can it's see. the pearl inside the clam. I <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, I don't want to cut you off, man. No, no, please, okay, please. The, the last one that I just wanted to mention here and I'm not even really going to get into it all the way but – I think you should look up a place called Littlemore Priory. Littlemore is one word. Littlemore is one word, yes. And it was a, a, a priory, a church that also, what is the, what, not a nunnery, what is the, is that a priory? A place where nuns? A convent? Uh, maybe a convent of sorts, uh, where there were a lot of nuns who lived in this area. And this is in. Get thee high to a nunnery. Uh, yeah, it's a small, uh, it's specifically a smaller one, and it's run by a prioress. Ah, prioress. That's exactly – that's where that word came from. Okay. Um, so this place in the 1500s, apparently there was some strange stuff going on with the prioress, the, the person who ran this joint, and uh, the nuns who were in there. There was some misdeeds, let's say. Uh, in the eyes of the people who were in charge of it, there's some serious sinning that was I occurring. believe the bishop shut it down. The bishop correct? did shut it down. But there are 92 women, the remains of 92 uh, humans, most of them women and some children, were found buried here. And unceremoniously, some of them were face down. Uh, one was buried with a child, uh, appeared to be an unborn child or, you know, a child that was born and Deceased. Sure. And, um, Stillborn. Yes. And then several other women who were prostrate on the ground, which appeared to be maybe witches. And it, there's this whole series of strange stuff that went on with all of these deaths and or, you know, skeletons. Buried face down in unconsecrated ground. Right? Yeah. That's very, very usual. strange. That's, those are the usual signs I recognize. At least that's how they usually put me in. Okay. Yeah, well, whatever. Anyway, got to roll over. I don't know why everybody thinks that's going to work. Gotcha. Anyway, look up a little more Priory. There's more to it. Uh, there's more to it, but mm-hmm. just check it out. And we're uh, we're getting the signal uh, from ourselves. We've been thinking about mortality for a while now, so we're going to go. Uh, we're going to venture off, and we're going to ask for your help because. We know that there are multiple other stories like this and we are actually having – we're actually having a, a really interesting time tracing any possible explanations for this. So mm-hmm. For example, I don't – we didn't have time to put it in the show today but there are a bunch of reports of red-haired mummies in – uh, strange or places you, where you wouldn't expect to find a red-haired mummy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and one of the explanations for that would be that the sunlight transforms the hair or turns the hair red. And then there are other people who say, no, 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 that's not good enough. What are these red-haired people doing in this part of the world mm-hmm. with red hair being a relatively rare trait? 
So we have just dipped our, uh, we have dipped our conceptual focaccia just a little bit into the, the, olive, the sauce? olive oil <laughs> sauce of mystery. Oh, not all these comparisons are going to work. Uh, in conclusion, it appears that the most famous cases of mysterious skulls can be largely explained by mundane causes such as genetic disorder, injury, hoaxes, or in the case of Prakas, uh, purposeful deformation for cultural purposes. And, you know, in that one case, there's a pretty compelling argument for freak meteorological occurrences. But also those skeletons, other than their grisly, strange death, are perfectly normal. And I, I feel like I have to make a point about hoaxing here. Sure, there are loads of individuals who claim they've discovered something unusual only for it later to be proven, you know, not to be an alien or not to be an extraterrestrial or a Nephilim or whatever. But that doesn't automatically mean they are con artists and they may genuinely believe what they have discovered. And so it would be unfair for us to automatically ascribe some kind of motive or internal motivation to these people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. If if I was the person who came across that Atacama skeleton, I would absolutely think there was something strange going on and want it to be tested immediately. Let's go right now and let's get this thing tested. Um, yeah, absolutely. And in a lot of these examples, I would, the star child skull, I would also want to look into that if, you know, I didn't have an understanding of some of the human genetic deformations that occur that I have now. And I'm, I'm, you know, lucky to have that information in my life. Well said, Matt. Well said indeed. And I, uh, I am inspired by that and I follow your lead in these sorts of things because I'm inspired by you too. Oh boy. Well, we're both inspired by Noel. Who do I get to be inspired by? Oh, wait. I am. You guys inspire me daily. Oh, stop it. Oh, man, we're having an aspire-a-thon again. An aspire-off. An (laughs) (laughs) aspire-off. And uh, uh, Paul nodded. He's eating a sandwich or something. It's a salad, I think. He's giving us the uh, the wrap-it-up. Okay, yeah. It's like a really good salad, too. I am hungry. All right, yeah, so we are off to to feed our skeletons. Hungry for the truth. Hungry for the truth, yes, Noel, indeed. And dried cranberries. (laughs) And dried cranberries and Philly cheesesteaks and all, all the... All the beautiful things about staying alive. So, uh, we're, we're going to head off, but never fear. We will be back, uh, next week. I do want to give a shout out to, uh, the Mysteries of the Unknown Time Life book series because they have a test in there, uh, that lets you ask yourself whether you are descended from an mm. alien hybrid. And if there's any interest, I'm sure that Time Life will be okay with us. Maybe we could quiz each other one day and read the questions. It's it's stuff like, do you like thunderstorms? Yep. Do you have extra vertebrae? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, shows, maybe. I don't know. It, it shows you how to count them. It's weird, but we'll we'll check it out. I'm sure if you enjoy this show, you are uh you're probably aware of that Time Life book series. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, if you'd like to find Matt and Noel and I, you can uh find us on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Instagram, you can check out every show we've ever made on our website, stuff they don't want you to know.com. And if you don't want to do any of that stuff and you just want to send us a suggestion for an episode or a comment, or you know, an evite, whatever, you can find us. We are Conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. 
CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.